for Tishrei, Dalad Tishrei, Tzadik, his life, 5, 108. The Rebbe was still staying at his father-in-law's house, but not long afterward, his mother-in-law started acting less than friendly toward him. The Rebbe had a room to himself in his father-in-law's house. It was a kind of attic. And there he would sit and meditate, pray, and practice his devotions. Periodically, he would go out to meditate in the meadows or the forest. One day it happened that the Rebbe had gone on a journey. While he was away, his mother-in-law moved her bed into the room because she wanted it for herself. As soon as the Rebbe came back and found that she had taken his room from him, and for him the room had its own sanctity, he could no longer stay in his father-in-law's house. He left the village and went to the city and found himself quarters in Medvedevka. 6. 109. Thousands and indeed tens of thousands of stories could be told about all the different details of these periods of the Rebbe's life in Mezhbuzh and Medvedevka. He struggled and toiled at his devotions with tremendous energy, and he had to fight great battles every minute of every day before he was able to subdue and break all his traits and desires. However, it was not until the Rebbe came to Breslov that I myself became close to him. Thus, I only heard about this whole period intermittently, and in no particular order, either from the Rebbe himself or from others who knew him then. I am therefore unable to give a systematic account of everything, and there is no option but to jump from subject to subject. Whatever I can remember I will certainly relate, but even what I did here I have mostly forgotten. 7. 110. Let me note down a few of the things which I heard from the Rebbe himself about his childhood and youth. He used to work very hard at his devotions. He wanted very much that God should show him a sign in order to strengthen his faith even more. He made repeated prayers and supplications imploring God and pressing him to do this for him. The Rebbe related three miraculous incidents that took place in this period. There was a particular area in the countryside where the Rebbe used to go in order to meditate and practice his devotions. Standing by the side of the road, there was a large crucifix, a common sight in rural rural areas. This was very distracting for the Rebbe, and he suffered greatly from seeing it standing there as he walked by meditating. He prayed to God to work a miracle and uproot the crucifix. And he shall decree a thing, and it shall be established. See Job twenty two twenty eight. Suddenly, the crucifix collapsed. Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, his praises. Eight. The Rebbe told us that all his studies required great effort. When he began to learn Mishnah as a young child, he did not understand it. He wept and wept until he was able to understand the Mishnah. Later, when he studied more advanced works, he again found himself unable to comprehend them. Again he cried bitterly until he was worthy of understanding. This was true even of such esoteric studies as the Zohar and the writings of the Ari, where understanding came only after long and bitter weeping. He said that when he began to study any work, he did not understand it. It was very difficult for him, and he could not grasp its straightforward meaning. This greatly distressed him. His studies required prodigious effort, but nevertheless he studied a lot by constantly encouraging himself. He achieved it all through his prayer and weeping. 9. 
The Rebbe engaged in many fasts. Even while still in his teens, he fasted from Shabbat to Shabbat many times. There were occasions when he fasted from Shabbat to Shabbat twice in succession. Although the Rebbe was a child of delights, Jeremiah 31.19, raised in comfort, he was very thin. Still, he would disregard himself completely, fasting and mortifying himself in every possible way. Once, he fasted from Shabbat to Shabbat 18 times in a single year. The Aleph Bet Book Truth A. 29 A person who does not trust in God speaks falsely, and by telling lies becomes incapable of trusting the truth. 30. The further a person is from truth, the more he considers one who turns away from evil to be a fool. 31. Seeing that there is no truth in the world, a person who wants to turn away from evil must play the fool. 32. When a person does not speak falsely, God saves him in a time of misfortune. He will also be blessed with children. 33. Idle talk brings harm to one's children. 34. A person steeped in idleness becomes forgetful. 35. Falsehood leads to immorality and strengthens the hands of evildoers so that they they do not return to God in repentance. 36. A person who lies has no cure even with numerous medicines. 37. A person who tells lies is cut down. He also becomes a fool. 38. Fear of God brings a person to truth. Kitzur Likutei Moharan 1, Lesson number 2, Speak to the Priests, Leviticus 21, 1. 1. The primary weapon of a Jew is prayer. All the wars that a person must wage, whether wars against the evil inclination or other wars with those who wish to impede him or set themselves against him, are all fought with prayer. Moreover, all of a person's vitality comes from prayer. Therefore, a person who aspires to attain true holiness must engage frequently and intensely in prayer, supplication, and conversation with his Maker. This is his main weapon for winning the war. 2. A person who guards his sexual purity is thereby able to pray. Conversely, a person who blemishes his sexual purity is deprived of the ability to pray. 3. A person should give charity before praying. This will cause his prayer to be fluent in his mouth. Giving charity also saves him from extraneous thoughts during prayer, and he will be able to pray properly without veering off to the right or the left. Instead, he will speak his words judiciously. 4. It is impossible for a person to attain perfect prayer except by guarding his sexual purity to perfection. Therefore, Each person must bind his prayers to the true tzaddikim of the generation, since they know how to send each and every prayer up to the proper place. Furthermore, these tzaddikim build the construct of the Divine Presence with these prayers, and thereby hasten the coming of the Mashiach. 5. Torah study and prayer strengthen and illuminate each other, so it is necessary to engage in both of them. For all the Torah that a person learns with the intention of guarding and carrying it out, all the letters of the Torah are sparks of souls. They become clothed in his prayer and are rejuvenated there like a fetus in the womb. 
as a result of their rejuvenation, the light of the person's prayer is also that much fuller. The principal way to perfect prayer, however, is by binding it and bringing it to the tzaddik of the generation. Rabbi Nachman's Stories The Lost Princess Now find yourself a place again and remain there for another year. This time, you are permitted to eat on the last day, but you may not sleep. Do not drink any wine on that day so that you will not fall asleep. The main thing is avoiding sleep. The viceroy went and did as she had instructed him. On the last day, as he was heading toward the castle, he saw a flowing spring. It was red in color and smelled like wine. He asked his servant, Do you see this? It's a spring and should contain water, but it has a red color and smells like wine. The viceroy went and took a taste from the spring, and he immediately fell asleep for many years. He remained asleep for seventy years. Meanwhile, many soldiers passed by, along with their baggage trains with their equipment. The servant hid himself because of the soldiers. Then a chariot and carriages passed by, carrying the princess. She stopped there next to the viceroy and descended, sitting next to him. She recognized him and tried very hard to wake him up, but he could not be wakened. Restore my soul, Lakutim Haran, 5. When a man has to rise from one level to the next, prior to his ascent he must first undergo a descent. The paradox is that the very purpose of the descent is the ascent. From this you can see how much strength is required in the service of God. Even when you fall or descend in any way, you must never allow yourself to be thrown off balance to the extent that you come to look down on yourself or hold yourself in contempt. You should refuse to dwell on the matter, even momentarily, regardless of what happens to you. In the end, you will find that all your descents will be turned into great ascents and achievements, because the purpose of the descent is the ascent. This point needs a lot of emphasis because everyone who experiences a spiritual fall imagines that this idea was never intended to refer to his particular case. He thinks it applies only to people on the highest plane who are perpetually climbing from level to level. You should know and have faith that in truth, all these words were spoken with even the worst and most insignificant of men in mind, because God is good to all. Lukuti Moharan 1, 22 6. When a person wishes to enter into the service of God, and this applies to everyone, even someone on the lowest of levels, even someone who is literally in the earth, he must at all times advance and rise from level to level. Now, every time a person is about to move from one level to the next, each in his own way, he has to encounter the full force of the klipot all over again, these are all his desires and fantasies and wild thoughts, the distractions and obstacles that are ranged against the person at every moment and that try to prevent him from entering the gates of holiness. Reb Nussin's Letters, Year 1 Letter number 2 Nonetheless, I am very pleased with the commentary you sent me. It is truth, too. The words of the Rebbe are like a stone struck by a hammer. They split apart and break up into countless interpretations. 
May God allow us to spend our lives dwelling on the Rebbe's Torah, conversations, and stories, until we find in them interpretations and ideas which will truly influence our deeds. Happy are we to have heard such words. Fortunate are you that you could be with us. Fortify yourself and be strong. Most important, always be happy and spend a lot of time in Hidbodidut. Do not be sad, because rejoicing in God is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10 May you attain peace, joy, and happiness as you desire, and as the desire of your Father, who seeks your well-being always with a mighty love, and who longs to see you in life and peace. The insignificant Nussan, son of Reb Naftali Hertz, may his light shine. Greetings to all our friends with a great true love. My dear brothers and friends, my masters, students, and comrades, I implore you to pray for me always. As for Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Yosef's request that I send the text of a prayer for seafarers, my mind is not at all clear right now, and I cannot possibly compose one. There is already in the prayer book Shari Tzion, Gates of Zion, a prayer for seafarers by the Ramban. You merely need to make a few adjustments when you are praying for someone else. These will be obvious when you see the prayer. Whatever additions each one of you may want to make from his own heart can be in the vernacular. More than this I cannot write right now. Peace, life, and everything good. Strengthen and fortify your hearts, all you who hope in God. Nussan, the same. My dear son Reb Yitzchak, may he live. What pleasure I had from the greetings you sent me. May you always truly feel this way. For God's sake, for God's sake, apply yourself to your studies, for it is your life and your length of days. You must also practice your writing every day, because your style is still not at all accomplished. It is like a child's. Composition is a basic element in Torah, in serving God, and in social interaction. Therefore, you must try to develop a pleasant and lucid style. It is especially important for you and for the other members of our group, who, as you know, employ writing a great deal in our work to benefit the community. I do not have time to continue now. The words of your father who desires your true, eternal good and success. Nussan, the same. Reb Nussan's Letters, Year 2, Letter number 232. The woman Sarah left following your promise to be in your house. In my opinion, though, right now you are quite distressed about this because another maidservant is not available. Nevertheless, God will surely help you, and you will find one to your liking. Then you will thank God that she refused in this matter because it is for your good. God willing, when you are here, I will also speak to you about this. For all the laws of proper human conduct, derech eretz, are related and combined with divine service. For each day is made up of Torah and derech eretz, and they are interrelated, as every person can understand for himself. In all matters, the only thing a person can do is wait for God's salvation, and in the meantime, petition him to send him what he needs. Whether it is something small or large, Whatever a person needs, be it food or drink, clothing, shelter, eating utensils, furniture, servants, tuition money, whatever it is, there is no advice and no strategy except to throw one's burden upon God that he will send him what he needs. If a person needs to take some action or discover some advice or strategy about what to do, 
he should rely on God to supply him with it and to supply him with good advice at the proper time. Everything requires good counsel. For everything involves a great many doubts and all kinds of uncertainty about how to proceed, to the point that a person has no idea what to do other than to rely on God and ask Him to have compassion on him and send him the good counsel that he needs. The words of your Father, whose love for you, along with your desire for good, has compelled me to write these words now. My eyes are to God that you will inspire yourself with this. Really and truly, we can be happy. For thank God we have a grandfather, Rabbi Nachman. We have someone to lean on, thank God. All is vanity. All is vanity. People are vanity, and human beings are a lie. But the Torah teachings that we received in this generation, true original teachings such as these, they are the words of the living God, the words of our God which will stand forever. For the truth stands. Nasan, as above. Shemot HaTzadikim Nusach Acher Miruvein Chanoch Falu Chetzron Karmi Zakur Nimuel Mishimon Yamin Ohad Yachin Tzohar Shaul Nimri Milevi Omri Zatuel Hanania Sidri Moshe Algabehen as leader Miyehuda Arach Aruch Yonadav Bitzalel Shafatia Nachshon Miyisachar Sa'ir Ya'akan Igal Faltiel Otniel Choni Mizavulun Sered Elon Suri Yachlael Elihu Nimshi Mibinyamin Sinav Chislon Eldad Medad Achituv Matanya Midan Buki Yagli Achinoam Achiezer Tseri Chananel Minaftali Elishama Sumchus Zavdi Yochanan Elchanan Eliakim Migad, Chagai, Zarchi, Kenan, Matityahu, Zechariahu, Shuni. Miasher, Pashchur, Shilmi, Chananel, Shalum, Achaziahu, Shechanyahu. Miyosef, Yair, Yoezer, Faltiel, Adonia, Ram, Machir. Eldad, Medad, Chur, Yair ben Menashe, Novach. Rebnasen's Prayers 1. Prayer number 4. God of Israel, how I have sinned against you. I have sinned, I have transgressed and rebelled, and I have done what is evil in your eyes. Here one should specify one's sins in detail. Hashem, you are the righteous one, and I am ashamed and embarrassed. What can I say? How can I justify myself? I have acted wrongfully, and I myself have deprived myself of the good I could have had. I have stained my own holiness. The damage I have done is so immense. My sin is too great to bear. My sins are too many to even count. With all my transgressions, I am like a drunkard, stupefied with wine. My sins have gone over my head like a burden that is too heavy for me to bear. The very thought of them fills me with panic and confusion and sets all my bones trembling. There is no peace in my bones because of my sins. They are inscribed on my bones from the soles of my feet to the top of my head. Not a single bone is sound because of all my sins and transgressions. Every one of my bones has been splintered and shattered because of the many sins that are inscribed on them. How bitter it is, more bitter than death, 
more bitter than anything in the world. And the truth is that I have not yet begun to feel even the minutest fraction of the pain of even one of my sins. I have sinned so much that my heart has become closed, and my mind is so confused that I have lost all awareness of my true self and essence. If I but knew and felt the smallest part of the pain of even one of my innumerable sins, and the damage I have done to the root of my nefesh, my ruach, and my neshama, and in the highest worlds, I have rebelled against the master of all, whom the heavens and the heavens of the heavens cannot contain, in awe of whose name all the mighty angels, the seraphim, the ofanim, and the holy chayot, and the supernal worlds upon worlds to eternity, all quake and tremble. All of them do his will with awe, with fear and love. And I, the lowest, most insignificant creature of all, a putrid drop, a clod of earth and fleeting dust, have rebelled against the God of the universe, blessed is his name forever. This much I know and believe, that if I were to begin to feel the tiniest fraction of bitterness and pain at even one of my many sins and transgressions, the sound of my screams would be unbearable. I myself would be unable to bear my own screaming or the terrible pain and bitterness of my heart for even a single moment. The entire world would be unable to bear the sound of my cries. My poor soul, I cringe at the sound, I shudder at the sight. I have been so very, very foolish. My wrongdoing and my many sins have cast a blot on your holy, perfect Torah. I have taken the pure, clear messages of the holy letters of the Torah, the words of the living God, and twisted and degraded them in the most unspeakable ways. My distortions are inscribed on my very bones. My actions have given power and dominance to idolaters, and my sins have lengthened the exile. After all this, do I have any right to cry out to the king? Attachment to the True Tzaddik Even so, my hope in Hashem is still not lost, because He loves mercy. You want the wicked to repent, not that they should die. In your great love, you have taught us to confess all our sins and transgressions before you. Through your holy sages, now at rest, you have taught us to go before the true sage and tzaddik and openly confess in his presence, in order that all our sins should be atoned. Thus it is written, the anger of the king is expressed through emissaries of death, but the wise man will atone. For he overlooks transgression for the sake of the remnant, for the sake of the one who makes himself like remnants because of his humility. This refers to the true tzaddik and sage of the generation, who is more humble than any man on the face of the earth. Through his humility, the tzaddik has the power to lift up our words of confession before you and bring atonement for all our sins and remove the evil that has become inscribed in our bones as a result of our sins. Our twisting of the teachings of the Torah can then be rectified so that the pure, clear message of the letters will shine forth as at first, all through our confession before the sage. Then our shattered bones will be healed and put back in their proper place, and through this we will become merged in you forever. Please, loving God, who works out ways that none should be rejected, remember your love and mercy, Hashem, for they are eternal. The hand of the enemy is high, and we have no one to lead and support us. What should we do now, Hashem, our God? We have been left as orphans without a father, 
we have no one to stand up for us. We have lost our saints, the true tzaddikim and sages of the generation, who had the power I mentioned, and more than that as well, have left this world owing to our many sins. And we are here alone, empty and bereft of all good. We are like a lone mast on the top of a mountain and a flag on top of a hill. Show us the tzaddikim. Certainly there is no orphan generation. There must be true tzaddikim even in this generation. But they are concealed from our eyes. We do not know who they are and we cannot get near to them. Hashem, where should we turn to find medicine for our wounds? Where is the doctor of souls who can bind up and heal our wounds and relieve us of our desperate pain? We have been robbed. Every heart is melted. Everyone's knees are trembling. The sun has gone down in the middle of the afternoon. The delight of our eyes has been taken from us, the one who encouraged us and inspired us with life and vigor, the pride of our heads, our glory and strength, our nefesh, our ruach, our neshama, our holiness and purity, the true tzaddikim, the highest saints who have left us because of our sins. They have gone to their rest and they have left us to our size. Hashem, see how low your people have fallen. But you, God of truth, scrutinize all hearts. You know our innermost feelings. You know the strength of my desire and yearning and that of all your people, the house of Israel, to find healing for our wounds. All who feel the pain in their own hearts are yearning, longing, and hoping to draw close to the true tzaddik in order that he should bring them back from their sins, rectify their transgressions, and show us the path to follow and what we should do. And now, Hashem, our God, where is your earlier kindness? In every generation there were true tzaddikim who led the Jewish people, taking them in their arms like a nurse takes up a little child. They taught them the path of God and brought them close to you. Then why have you abandoned us and smitten us with a wound that is not written in the Torah, that is, the death of the tzaddikim, which is harder to bear than even the destruction of the holy temple? Why should God's assembly be like a flock without a shepherd? We are orphans of orphans, babes who never saw the light. We are sullied with every kind of madness. We are full of sins and transgressions. What should we do? Where should we go in search of a remedy? How can we escape our own folly, the pain in our hearts, and the corruption of our deeds?' 